Technology is great when it works. And we're going to continue to work on it until it's working better. Grace and peace to you, beloved. Thank you so much. I am Amy Wilson Feltz, in case you don't know that yet. I am the pastor here at Morningstar, where our mission is to point people to the grace of God that we find in Jesus. Our scripture today comes from Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. So I invite you to pull out your Bibles if you have those with you. You can look up the scripture on your favorite Bible app. You can read on the screens as long as they hold, or you can close your eyes and listen as I read from our holy text. Hear now the word of God. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When my sister was pregnant with her first child, who would be named Zachary, she gave me a call and asked me if I would be willing to baptize him after he was born. I was honored to be given the opportunity to consider playing that role in his spiritual life, but I was also really impressed by the intention that my sister and her husband were were placing on the spiritual growth and development of their child before he was even born. It's no surprise then to me to have watched them over the past 14 years. Zachary just turned 14 last week. Be intentional with him. From the very beginning, even before he could understand the words, my sister and her husband would read stories of Jesus, would offer prayers to God, would tell Zach stories, important stories about the spiritual life of our family. And thanks to that practice, and it is a practice, Zachary is able to remember things that he cannot literally remember, such as his baptism at five months old, when I held him in my arms and I sprinkled water on his head in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and our community of faith prayed over him. He can remember, even though he can't remember. He remembers because we tell him. We show him the stories. And this is how collective memory works. We help each other remember the truth about God's faithfulness by emphasizing the experiences that remind us who God is and who we are. Baptism is one of those experiences in our faith tradition. It's one of two things that we call a sacrament, a sacred sign of God's grace. Baptism is one, Holy Communion is the other. 
we experience God's grace in a lot of ways. We at Morningstar, we make ourselves available to point to the grace of God in everything that we do. So our experience of God's grace is not limited to these two sacraments, but we set these sacraments apart as special observances of grace for a couple of reasons. First, Jesus demonstrated these sacraments. Jesus connected with God's grace in these ways. Jesus called us to remember using these kinds of rituals. We read the stories in the gospel narratives, and weekly in this community of faith, we come to the table. We celebrate Holy Communion together. We take time to remember Jesus in the upper room with his friends when he was celebrating the Passover meal, and he took time to connect that meal with God's grace. He connected the nourishment of the meal to their bodies to that grace, that nourishment that God gives us in our souls. Well, every year in January, in our church calendar, we are invited to worship together and remember the baptism of Jesus. It's not that we can't do that on any Sunday. We could. But on this particular Sunday in the church calendar, scripture passages like the one that we read today come front and center as Jesus comes from Galilee to the Jordan River. And for some of us, this story is so familiar. It's a legend in some ways. It's told and retold in children's books like the one that remained in Zachary's nursery for years. There are so many ways that we could consider this passage. We could think about John the Baptist and his reluctancy to baptize Jesus. I think I could relate to that. That would be an intimidating thing to be asked to do. Of course, he didn't feel worthy We could marvel at Jesus' answers to John's protest. He says, let it be so now to fulfill the scripture. Doesn't that sound familiar? It sounds a lot like the answer that his mother gave when the angel came to her and said, you will bear the son of God. She said, let it be with me according to your word. Let it be. Jesus, like his mother, trusted in the will of God. Or we could focus on the actual baptism of Jesus or the lack of detail that we find about it. Did you notice that? There's some attention to the dialogue between Jesus and John and and going back and forth. And then we read, and when Jesus had been baptized, and that's it. I wonder about all of the details that are missing from that sentence. There's no recollection of John actually administering the sacrament. There's no remembrance of the water covering the body of Jesus signifying his death to himself and his commitment to living the way God was calling him to live. We see it in movies and in television series as a dramatic immersion. And the phrase, when he came up from the water, may lead us to think that that was indeed the, me- the method. But maybe that phrase, when he came up out from the water, simply referred to walking onto the bank of the Jordan River after the baptism was over. The point is we don't have the detail. We don't have the detail about the physical act of baptism. We move quickly from this conversation that Jesus has with John to what happened after the baptism. I think this is a literary tool inviting us to focus on the voice of God. We keep moving in this story quickly to the point where God speaks. 
This is the part that's supposed to hold our attention, I really believe. So I'm going to read it again. Suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. So let's rewind a bit and go forward again, taking this part by part. First, the Spirit of God descends, showing us once again that God moves toward us, to be near to us. The dove, which we now use as a sign of peace, is also the sign of the Spirit, and it recalls creation. When the Spirit of God hovers over the deep, it also points to the story of Noah. The dove served as the sign of restoration of creation after the flood. Here, Jesus is the new creation. We also see the Spirit of God alight on Jesus, reminding us that God illuminates our path. And then a voice from heaven could be heard, proving that God does speak into this world. Jesus is named as the Son of God, demonstrating the way that God claims us as the children of God, and not only children, but beloved children, children in whom God is well-pleased. What we're being invited to remember here is that baptism is the work of the Spirit. Baptism is the work of God. This sacrament of baptism signifies to us that God is present with us, moving toward us, recreating us, lighting our path, claiming us, speaking to us, delighting in us. This profound truth is one of the reasons that I call all of you beloved. As I said above, the sacraments of Holy Communion and baptism have been set apart as special observances for a couple of reasons, one of those being that these are means of grace that Jesus utilized. The second reason is that they require a commitment, a public action on our part When we touch and taste the elements of Holy Communion that you already have in your hands this morning, you may not think about it this way, but you are making a commitment. You're making a commitment to participate in the healing that is needed in the world and the healing that you need within yourself. When we are baptized, we accept our identity as the children of God. We are telling the world we know who we are. We belong to God. And we're going to allow God to work through us, to continue to shape us by God's grace to be more like Jesus. In the case of infants and young children, like my nephew Zachary, the adults in their lives, we make this claim for them. And we teach them and we raise them in the faith until the time when they can claim that faith for themselves in a process that we call confirmation. So baptism happens just once in a lifetime in our tradition, but living into our baptism, living out of our baptism requires the rest of our lives. That's why we need to remember. That's why we need to remember together in moments like this on Sunday morning. So I said earlier that the sacraments are signs of God's grace. They're set-apart signs of God's grace, but more specifically, We use elements like grape juice and bread or a wafer or water as signs of God's grace. Ordinary things 
that speak of God's extraordinary work in our lives. In this case, in the case of baptism, water is a sign of renewal. It's a sign of cleansing. And when we receive the water of baptism, either as it is sprinkled on our heads or poured over our bodies or perhaps surrounds us in immersion, we are committing ourselves to remain open to the work of God in our lives and to be a participant in God's work in the world. The thing is, this is just not a commitment of one person. It's the commitment of the entire community. That's why baptism takes place in a public setting, most often a worship service. That's why our liturgy offers everyone in the congregation a chance to remember their own baptism and to make the profession the commitment that they're going to support the newly baptized, and each other in this faith journey. Again, baptism is not a personal profession of faith, not only. It's a reminder of who we are as a body of believers working together. A body of believers who have vowed to, and I quote, renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the powers of evil, repent, Accept the freedom and the power of God to resist evil, injustice, and oppression, to put our whole trust in Jesus, and to commit to serve him as part of his church. This is our commitment as a baptized community. But we all need a reminder. We all need to remember, we all need to remember that we're the children of God. And that God is pleased with us. And that God has work for us to do. Water can serve as a reminder. Any water. All water. Water of the oceans and the lakes and the rivers. Rainwater as it falls. Water that pools in muddy puddles even. Water that we wash our hands in. Water that we use to brush our teeth. Water that we drink. The water that we cry as tears, water that we use in baptism, water just like this. So today you can see I have added these beautiful glass stones to the water. They are meant to remind us of water droplets. I hope that you have received one. Do you all have one? If you don't, feel free to raise your hand and Stuart will make sure you get one. You're going to need that in just a minute. If you're worshiping online, you can participate in this remembrance without the water droplet stone. But if you'd like one, we'll be glad to make sure that you get one. So just contact us. You don't need it necessarily. It's nice to have it if you do. We have some up here in the front, Stuart, as well. Sarah, you can actually just come right up here if you want. <laughs> you can grab these. He'll make his way. These stones can serve as a visual representation, not just of one moment in baptism, but of God's work in the rest of our lives as well. So in different days, in different days, I would invite you to come forward one at a time, and I would take one of these stones out of the water, and I would make the sign of the cross on your forehead, and I would say, Sue, you are a child of God. God is well pleased with you. And then I would tuck the stone in your hand, and I would ask you to put it somewhere 
in your life where you would see it on a regular basis so you could be reminded of who you are as a child of God. I love to do this. This is one of my favorite things to do as a pastor. But you know what? We live in different circumstances, and it's okay. We can share this experience in different ways, which is why you have your own water droplet. And in a moment, I'm going to invite you to make the sign of the cross, just like I just did, on your forehead. You can also just use your fingers if you don't have a water droplet. And if that is too much, if that's just too demonstrative for you, you can just hold your hands open like this, with or without a stone. But you're going to make the sign of the cross if you can. You're going to hold open the stone, and you're going to say out loud, if you dare, I am your name, child of God. With me, God is well pleased. So one more time, this is what we're going to do, and then we'll do it together. You'll make the sign of the cross, and you'll say, I am your name, child of God. With me, God is well pleased. You ready? Take a deep breath. I am Amy Wilson Phelps, child of God. With me, God is well pleased. It's okay if that was a little messy. Means of grace are messy. Great juice spills and drips and bread crumbles and the wafers crack and water splashes. And it's in the mess that we remember that God shows up, creating meaningful experiences of every single part of it. I hope that you will remember this moment and remember your identity every time you see this water droplet stone wherever you put it. As we close this part of our service this morning, I just want to make one more point about Jesus and where he was in his life when he heard those words about himself. He hadn't done a single thing to earn them. His public ministry had not debuted yet. He wouldn't go into the wilderness to fight the forces of evil until the next chapter. He hasn't preached a single word yet, hasn't healed a body hadn't given a hungry person a bite to eat. But what he has done is trust in God and make himself available to serve the purposes that God had laid before him. He followed the scripture of his people right down to the Jordan River in faithfulness to God. That's the point at which he said it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness even for Jesus, baptism was not simply an act of his own will. It was in respect to the will of God. So I want to leave you with this this morning. Beloved, it is God's will for your life to be fulfilling. Not in a way that is simply pleasing to you, but in a way that is pleasing to God, because God is pleased with you. That is the truth. God is pleased with you, just as you are. And when you believe that, and when you live into that truth and live out of that truth, then God's plan for the entire world can be fulfilled. Amen. Amen. I want to offer a word of invitation before we pray together and sing together and participate in the sacrament of Holy Communion together. If you have not been baptized, 
that option is always available to you. I am here for you. We could do it right now in this moment. I have the water right here. We could do it at any part in the remainder of this service as we pray, as we sing. Just come forward if you are feeling led in that way, and we will listen to the Spirit's call in this moment. If you need more time to think about it and you want to talk to me later, find me after the service. Give me a call this week. This is always an option for you as you fully step into your identity as a child of God.